Welcome, listeners, to Building a Better Story World, the podcast that helps you create better universes for your stories. I'm your host, Steele Tyler Filipek, writer, producer, narrative specialist, and I want to give you the tools that have helped me create content for Sony Pictures, Nickelodeon, Showtime, The Walt Disney Company, and many others. If you're an aspiring screenwriter, welcome. If you're a veteran novelist, hop aboard. If you're just here for the fun of it, I'm excited to have you listen in. We're now in the fifth entry in our current series that will help you understand the five basic elements of storytelling and how they apply to building a fully functioning universe. As a quick refresher, those bits are a protagonist, the main character of your story, a need, something that the character must fulfill on their journey, an obstacle preventing them from getting that need, a choice your character makes to overcome that obstacle, and a resolution, whether they succeed, fail, get a bit of both or neither. We've been using case studies to help showcase the first three of those elements, starting with the protagonist. You're a wizard, Harry. Moving on to their need. Hello, lover. And then the obstacles that prevent them from getting that need. Small world, Dr. Jones. Too small for two of us. As always, there will be prompts to help you take part if you'd like to follow along. If you're just tuning in for the first time and want to craft your own story world, I'd recommend doing the exercises in episodes 1 through 4 before you continue. Otherwise, let's hop to it! This episode is going to be a little different than what we've done before. That's because we're covering choices, and it would be impossible to cover every kind of choice that your character will make over the span of their adventures. If you followed along in our Obstacles episode, you'll remember that we covered some ground here, when I asked you to create a set of 10 broad challenges that your protagonist would face, as well as a pair of ways that they might deal with them. That's just the beginning, however. Think of all the character choices that James Bond has made over the course of his films. For England, James? No. For me. That's because, in good storytelling, a choice is 1. A decision made by a character 2. Based on what they can do to help them achieve something 3 leading them to taking action. It's this compulsion to do something that makes audiences admire your characters. If you're creating a small character study, simple conversation is fine, but a story world requires your protagonists to do many things, many times, that reveal a much broader universe and its rules. So, keeping that three-part structure in mind for your individual stories, let's instead think about the choices that will make up your story world instead. And, because we're going off the beaten path, Let's take a look at a case study that's a little different as well. We've covered fantasy, romance, and adventure, so now it's time to discuss a nonfiction approach. We're going to cover a story world that really exists to showcase how your decisions help to shape the stories you tell and your brand as a creator. Ina Garten is a world-renowned cook, author, entrepreneur, and television host. She's written over 11 books on the culinary world. She's appeared on numerous podcasts and talk shows. She's produced nearly 300 episodes of her program, The Barefoot Contessa. In culinary and entertainment terms, she's a rock star. Just because it's a weeknight dinner doesn't mean it has to be boring. Ina had a life before all of that, though. She earned an MBA from George Washington University and rose through the ranks of Office of Management and Budget at the White House, serving under both the Ford and Carter administrations. By day, she wrote budgets and policy papers on nuclear energy, while at night, she studied culinary technique so that she and her husband Jeffrey could host dinner parties for their colleagues. Something was missing, however, 
and she couldn't solve it by getting a pilot's license or flipping houses on the real estate market. Both true, by the way. So she saved up enough money to open up her first business, a specialty food store that bore the title that Ina herself would eventually appropriate, the Barefoot Contessa. And I hit 30 and I thought, I want to do what I want to do. And I thought, I want to be in the food business. From the beginning, Ina Garten created a world for her brand. She wanted to take the stress out of cooking meals. She preferred hearty ingredients to healthy ones. She made her fans the promise that if they could get over their intimidation and follow some basic tips, that they too could become a wizard in the kitchen. I think that I had a very clear vision when I started writing cookbooks, what I wanted it to be, and that you would open the book and then you'd look at the recipe and say, I can actually make that and I can make it with ingredients I can find in the grocery store. Like any creator, Ina Garten has her critics. The Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine have taken her to task for the high-fat, high-cholesterol dishes she showcases. Ina eschews certain flavors that others love, namely cilantro and Parmesan cheese. Some people criticize her show for being too formulaic, or for the number of dinner parties she throws, or for the upper-class life she leads, or for her disdain of all things store-bought. I've got just a very simple Pullman loaf, good bakery loaf, not like the stuff from the grocery store. And yet, Ina keeps marching on, with no signs of slowing down even in her 70s. That's because Ina understands her audience. If you're going to her for cheap food, you're out of luck. If you want lentils, you're going to have a bad time. If you want to be good, you can use milk. But I want this to be delicious. Ina Garten's fans want to be as successful as she is and want to live in the world that she's created. And Ina is willing to show them how to do it with a minimum of fuss. You're not going to believe how fast this dish is. So who are your fans going to be? Let's start with this as our first exercise. Understanding your audience. Who will you speak to? What do they like? How will they be drawn to your story world? Let's literally build two people who will represent your fan base. For the first person, start by giving them an age range. How old is your number one fan? 12 to 15? 55 and older? 6 to 9? Try not to be too broad. You'll be creating a second person as well. Just as how Hunger Games appeals to both teen girls and women in their 20s to 30s, think about your primary audience first so that you can then reach out to a secondary target. Next, think about the kinds of stuff that your fans like. Write down whatever medium you're creating, and then five titles of works that this person would like and that would be similar to yours. Think about what else they might like in pop culture. Sports? Jazz? Obscure sci-fi television from the early aughts? After that, consider how much money that they can reasonably spend on your work. Are they the kind of person who buys a video game the day it comes out? Or do they wait for the buzz to die down and then purchase it used? Are they a record-collecting superfan or a casual Spotify listener? This doesn't have to be exact, but if you're creating a piece of art that will cost hundreds of dollars, targeting young people might be a bit of a stretch. Now I want you to repeat this process, but with different attributes for each category. How old is your number two fan? What kind of work do they like? What are they interested in, entertainment-based or otherwise? How much would they be willing to spend on your work? After that's all done, I want you to look at both of these figures and ask yourself, why? Why would these people like your story world? What are the attributes that intrigue each of them? What will get them to come back again and again? Jot down six or seven elements apiece. They can overlap, of course, but try to differentiate. If you can't think of that number, then build some more aspects into your story world. Look to your characters, their needs, the obstacles, and the overall world. How can you emulate the successes of the past without just ripping them off? 
How can you avoid projects that have failed, despite all the requisite talent within? Agents Valerian and Laureline, you have less than 10 hours to find the threat and eliminate it. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You want your work to appeal to everybody. If you come up with a great idea, it will. But you should try to focus on a particular audience first. Your story will feel special to them because it will be made for them. After all, as Roger Ebert said, movies made for everybody are actually made for nobody in particular. Resist the urge to be too broad. Specify, specify, specify. Take some time and pause the program if you need to. Otherwise, let's continue. As stated, Ina's cooking isn't for the faint of heart. She uses sugar by the spoonful, butter by the bucket, and red meat whenever possible. Even she wouldn't say that this is for everyday cooking, however. I can really smell the truffles and the butter and the cream. I mean, how good does this look? Wow. Rather, it's to help you pull off that amazing dinner party, or a picnic for friends with young children, or a brunch when your in-laws are in town. Everyone has their own system for making scrambled eggs, but I have a method that'll impress even your mother-in-law. The point is to get you to de-stress as you produce amazing food that tastes great. Forget calories just for once. You work hard and deserve another slice. Okay, now for the bacon. Note how this makes Ina Garten's story world one of excess. Yes, she lives in a gigantic house with an amazing husband and has an extraordinary life, but her cooking is all about being delicious. It's about building your confidence in the kitchen. It's about showing off a little, too, but always in the service of loved ones. Being very polite and waiting yeah. for you. It smells so good. So it's pasta with white truffle butter. And Jeffrey made the pasta. Thus, in terms of the basic storytelling element of need, Ina's show is one about wealth and love. If you've been following along, you've chosen some driving needs as well, and hopefully have come up with some things that your work is not. You may want to focus on actual, real-world science instead of warp drives and laser swords. It appears to be a multi-phasic temporal convergence in the space-time continuum. You may like stories about underdogs who galvanize a nation to change. Or you might like outlaws who reveal the injustices of society. Say my name. Heisenberg. Those are all good things. You're defining your world and making sure that people know, through your stories, who it is for. Let's examine Ina's world. Her brand is for aspiring chefs. Not necessarily masters. It's for people who want the good life, not people who are cutting back. It's for people who need to chill, not for type A personalities. It's about wealth and love, not power and control. Of course, Ina has a broad audience and can definitely name top chefs, health nuts, and CEOs among her superfans. But it's because she understood who she was, what her story world was going to be about, and how she was going to present it. She has a statement, and she's sticking to it. So let's codify this statement for you. As an exercise, I want you to write a this-not-that list. The Barefoot Contessa is hearty, not healthy. It is relaxing, not manic. It is upper crust, not penny-pinching. What is your story world, and what is it not? Write seven or more this-not-thats that help to define this. If you need any prompts, consider some of these. What story is it like, and what similar story is it not like? What is one visual attribute that it has, and one that it does not have? What is one emotion it brings to mind, and what is one emotion that it does not? What is one tonal element that you want it to contain, and what is one tonal element that you don't want associated with it? These don't have to define your world, 
and you can slowly shift if needs be. You will be creating a world large enough for others to take part in, however, be they audiences or co-creators. They will need to find stuff that excites them enough to create fan fiction or cosplay. By making sure it's clear from the very beginning what your story world is about, it will help your collaborators to understand what your work is. Your world will have a clear foundation and it will be able to grow organically. Are you ready to continue? If not, take a break and resume when you are. Otherwise, let's press on to your final story world choice. Ina Garten's world isn't just about cooking. If you watch enough of her programming, you'll begin to get a handle on lots of elements that orbit cuisine. You'll learn knife skills. You'll see how to pick the best produce. You'll understand how to talk to a butcher or a vintner or a baker. The cooking is the substance of the show, yet without the spice of all this extra content, the Barefoot Contessa wouldn't be the success that she is. I'm going to cook it on a very low heat. Protein gets tough when it's on a high heat. So if you cook eggs on a very low heat, they're really tender and just incredibly delicious. A key component to these extra skills is the amount of rewatchability they bring to Ina's programs. Once you've written down a recipe, you're mostly good to go, so Ina has to go the extra mile to make sure there's a reason to buy a DVD or cookbook. Practicing the fundamentals and teaching by doing are critical for recall, so reinstilling these basics helps audiences continue to hone their skills. Not coincidentally, repeated verbiage allows you to build up slogans and catchphrases. I mean, how bad could that be? Remember, however, your audience has to aspire to live in your story world. Ina Garten gives fans multiple reasons to revisit her content. The rewards they reap from doing so will incentivize audiences to re-engage with her narrative over and over again. If you don't have a panini press, you can always do it in a saute pan, just like classic grilled cheese sandwich. These extra bits also expand the scope of the show. Showing off a recipe and showing off a technique are fine in and of themselves, but combining them allows Ina to go along any number of paths. Four different recipes and four different techniques allow for 16 separate ways to inspire an audience's imagination. Ina Garten can also further subdivide these kernels of knowledge so that learning how to make stock could focus on different bases, such as vegetables, fish, and chicken, or different forms, including roasted or non-roasted stocks. Having built up these details also indebts the audience to Ina for bringing more than just cooking prowess into their lives. Their skills with a blade and a saucepan will remain as constant reminders of how Ina, more than anybody else, helped them progress in the kitchen. I think the easiest way to cook bacon is in the oven. On a rack, 400 degrees, 20 to 30 minutes, it comes out perfectly every time. When their friends ask how far they have come, or inquire about tips, or are looking for ways to cook old favorites, the answer is always the same. Ina. You will want similar elements for your own story world. I'm sure you've got a favorite poem, novel, or comic book that gives you more detail each time you reread it. Sometimes it's a subtle joke that you've overlooked. Other times it's a thematic callback. They all work together to make your story world feel real. It won't just be a top-level design. There will be depth, and that depth will entice different audiences to explore your world, talking about it and sharing it with those who might like it. So now we're going to find these elements for your story world. I want you to think of at least three broad things that your story world will give to your audience beyond the basics. What is going on in your brand that goes beyond narrative? What are you teaching your audience? What kind of subconscious content will they have to work at to uncover? The first of these elements could be an ongoing mystery, one that the audience will never fully solve. Calvin and Hobbes has The Noodle Incident. Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels are peppered with offhand comments that hint at a far grander mythology. Ultraman has the villainous, unseen horror known as Disastro. 
You should pepper your work with small asides, but think of one bigger mystery, the solution of which you never plan to reveal. The second of these elements might be a broad range of skills that thematically tie into your story world. Anthony Bourdain exhorted his audience to go beyond standard tourist spots when traveling the world. Jackie Chan, via his films, stresses the importance of practice and the nobility of self. Nima Tang teaches about makeup, but also preaches about loving oneself. Your narrative world will show your audiences many things. So, name one methodology or talent that you hope people will walk away with when they've finished exploring your story world. The third element should be one of exploration that is unique to your universe. Star Wars and Star Trek both have countless alien races and planets, but George Lucas grounded his wonder in imagination via the Force, while Gene Roddenberry placed emphasis in the mind with science and psychology. What is the magic system of your piece, or the esoteric way that your detective solves mysteries, or the way that your heroes bust ghosts? Are you, Alice, menstruating right now? What has that got to do with it? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Take as much time as you need with this one. You shouldn't bog down your story with too much detail, as most should come organically as you write. But I'd rather that you had a little too much world than not quite enough. You can always cut down certain elements, or underplay them, or put them in the background. If there's no there there, on the other hand, your audiences will only be treated to a very surface-level world. What a shame that would be. And speaking of a shame, our episode is almost over. If you've been doing the prompts, you should have two figures who represent your audience, their tastes, and how they will connect with your story. A this-not-that list that details several key attributes of your story world or brand. Three subtle elements that will reward in-depth examination by your audience. If you're still not quite sure what each of these are, take some time to think about the work that inspires you. What does your favorite series preach? What were the choices its creators made? Go back and listen to this show again, charting the path that made The Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and The X-Files such successes. We'll be covering resolutions next, so it's important that you've built up your story world to the point that you can resolve its issues in a satisfying manner. Until then, keep on dreaming and keep on listening. You can find me on Twitter at Words of Steel, W-O-R-D-S-O-F-S-T-E-E-L-E, or on my website, steelphilippec.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E-F-I-L-I-P as in Peter, E-K. If you'd like to share your work or get notes or appear on an episode, feel free to say so. Don't forget to check out our previous episodes and other content. Building a Better Story World is written, produced, recorded, and sound engineered by Steel Tyler Philippe. The theme song, Asia, is by Ilya Marfin via icons8.com. All narrative clips are used under the Fair Use Doctrine, as defined by Title 17 of the United States Code, subsection 107, in that they are used for nonprofit educational work for the purpose of analysis, have been transformed from their initial records by audio engineering for podcasting, and are not substantive of the entire work or function as a direct market substitute. Audio effects are provided by freesound.org under the Creative Commons license. If you feel that this production has unfairly used a piece of audio to which you own the rights, please contact helmstarmedia at gmail.com.